Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin has the day off and we are visiting today with Dr. Roger Teal. Now you guys can Google him. He's got his own website, Roger Teal. That's T-E-E-L.com. You can also find him at milehighchurch.org. Now I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan of his work and I think he's a really interesting guy, which is why we're bringing him on the show. Now he's also got a book out called This Life is Joy and I got a copy of it from the publisher. Nobody has paid to uh, promote this. It's just another book in a series that I really recommend and I really think that every woman should have in her arsenal in how to uh, walk this earth in a way that can be really fulfilling. Now his book This Life is Joy is about discovering the spiritual laws to live more powerfully, lovingly, and happily. So that's Roger Teal, R-O-G-E-R Teal, T-E-E-L So grab a copy of it and you can follow along uh, with our show today and um, with Without further ado, I'm going to introduce Roger Teal or Dr. Roger Teal. He holds degrees in psychology, religion, divinity, and uh, as well as religious science. Now, that's great. That's a lot of alphabet soup, a bunch of PhDs, and we really recognize that as being quite an achievement. But at the end of the day, communicating clearly so we can understand and we can have practical application to our lives is the name of the game. And one of the things that really attracted me uh, first to Dr. Teal was his use of the term practical spirituality. Now, we're going to define that later on in the show, but I'm going to introduce Dr. Teal, bring him on, and then I'm going to ask him my million-dollar question. Uh, Dr. Teal, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very, very much. It's a joy to be with you. Oh, I am so excited. I'm such a big fan. I'm like gushing over here like it's like Elvis of the spiritual world coming before me. <laughs> so if I start screaming and throwing things at you, you know, you'll just know why. <laughs> uh, you're really kind, Sandra. Thanks. Thank you. Um, one of the things that happens in my household, and for many of the listeners that are just tuning in right now, I am a single mom. I raised two elementary school-age boys. I'm soul-supporting. I also take care of my 82-year-old dad. So we have some really spirited conversations around our dinner table every night. And when these books come in, I like to talk to both my kids, who are uh, eight, or well, I guess they're nine and 13 now, and uh, my dad, who's 82, and we talk about the topic of these books that come in because I really do read these books. I stay up sometimes two, three in the morning to read books from my guests before we have them on so I can ask really good questions that haven't been asked before, at least that I can find in, in traditional public media. One of the conversations, Dr. Teal, that we have is 
why is the world so unhappy? You know, my dad talks about the 50s, raising kids in the 60s and 70s, you know, working in the 80s, being retired in his 90s, and now in his golden years. And he said he's never seen so much focus on happiness before in his life. And to be fair, he was a military career, so that's not really high on the happiness list. Um, so we yeah. got to give him some, yeah. you know, some feedback there. But he says, why is, why, and he'll say to me, why are your friends so unhappy? Why are your girlfriends so unsatisfied? Why are your, you know, guy friends that come over lost? And, you know, he just said it was so much simpler when I was growing up. And so I want to know from you, Dr. Teal, why is the world so unhappy now? Why are we seeking so much? Um, are we evolving or what's going on? <laughs> Boy, that's a huge question. Sandra. I know. We could spend but you know what? I think, I think you're so wise to ask it because I think that really is the million billion dollar question. But I want to just make a distinction. You said, why is the world so unhappy? Quite frankly, I don't think the world is unhappy. I think humans are unhappy. I mean, if you go look at uh, nature uh, announcing itself, if you see little animals frolicking about, even little humans frolicking about, you know, they're expressing something deep and rich in life. And I think the reason humans are so unhappy is we've lost touch with who we really are. And we've lost touch with the reality of what life really is. So when we lose touch with that, we start seeking our happiness outside ourselves. And we delude ourselves into thinking that our happiness is how much money we can get, how much stuff we can get, how much power we can wield over others, how much artificial security and safety we can try to set up in our lives, thus avoiding the exhilaration of our risks and our growth. So you see, we're just way off course in terms of what really matters in this life. And we've become overall, and I speak in generalities, but we've become inwardly hollow. And uh, so there's this deep pit of emptiness that we try to fill with uh, with substances, with food, with sex, which, with many other things. And by the way, uh, food and sex are nice to have, but not when we're seeking them to fill a void, that an artificial void we've uh, established within ourselves. So I think that this is the big deal, you know, and if I, um, I want to pause and let you get a word in edgewise, but I want to talk um, after I do that about, about the distinction of, of pleasure, uh, between pleasure and joy. Go for it. I'm all ears. I'm here taking notes like a little college student. <laughs> well, you know, here's the deal. Um, if if we think that our our joy is out there somewhere and outcomes are necessary, desired outcomes to make us happy, well, then what we do is we strive in every way to achieve that. And then we feel varying degrees of pleasure or pain when we either achieve or don't achieve those things. And we get kind of hooked on trying to manipulate pleasure into our lives. Now, once again, pleasure in and of itself isn't a bad deal. It's just that we're using it to try to fill a hole within us. So we go after this pleasure and we do everything we can do to manipulate the people, the situations, the stuff in our life to allow us this fleeting artificial bit of pleasure. And then when inevitably those things shift or change, and your life is always morphing and changing, then we tend to experience the opposite of pleasure, and that is pain. 
And so then that's an intolerable situation for very long. And this pain comes along, and what's there to do but try to create more pleasure? But if that's not happening very quickly, then we anesthetize ourselves. We numb ourselves. Uh, well, and I think, I think, Dr. Teal, it goes even deeper than that because I'm going to let you into our kitchen when I cook dinner with my dad sitting at the table and the kids doing homework. That's what our life is like. And my dad and I were talking about this last night and, and we were talking about like a bowl with a hole. And we're like, so many people are like a bowl with a hole these days, no matter how much you pour into them, like cars and money and fame and power and, and boyfriends and girlfriends. You know, I see it a lot with my kids peers like how many video games are enough how many you know they got to right. have a playstation and a and a wii and a ds and if they don't have all four of those then you know a thousand dollars a pop they're not <laughs> okay and we're creating all these like bowls with a hole that no matter how much water you pour in it just drains right out that's exactly my point that's exactly it we've got this this uh, unfillable hollowness that we've established because we've really lost track of who we really are and what life really is and until we you know reclaim that we're not going to really know joy in this life but what i'm really clear about and, and what i strive to practice is that there's a natural joy in every one of us it's not created by uh things turning out the way we want. It's not created by our stuff. And even when you really get down to it, it's not even created by the other people in our lives, uh, 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 despite the fact that we enjoy those people. But they're not, that's not really the source of our joy. There's an inbuilt spirit of joy in us. And then I, as it, in the book, I, I give it a kind of a universal spiritual basis uh, beyond all the religions. It's just a deep spirituality in everybody. And when we discover that, retrace our steps back to that, which we knew as kids, um, then all of a sudden we can begin to move into the fullness of ourselves, the fullness of being, you know. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden then we realize that that illusion of emptiness and needing to fill it was just that. It, it, it's an illusion. And we can start practicing joy for no good reason. You know, I would be bold enough to say that there's no reason Anybody listening to this show can't leave our hour together and go forth with absolute exhilaration and joy if one chooses that and if one's willing to find it within oneself. Because I don't think there's anything in the world, no matter what the predicament's going on in anybody's life, that really has the power to overwhelm this joy within us. But if we've lost track of it, then we, we are going to make everything going on in our life bigger than this joy and then then we're lost well and then we're totally lost like i will say you know like when my mom died and my mom was my best friend i talked to her every day dr teal about everything yeah. we just were lucky to have that relationship and when she died there was a darkness that fell over me for a long time but it never eclipsed the joy you're talking about it did it take a, a shot at it <laughs> it sure did you know put a ding oh, yeah. in it when i when i got divorced it got a ding in it but people used to make comments that they thought i was crazy 
easy because I could find joy in certain things. Like I actually fell into my mom's grave when we were, when we were going, my uncle Gary was the pastor and we were putting her in the ground and I didn't fall all the way. And I only fell into my knee and my brother took a picture and put it on Facebook. And we all laughed because my mom had a great sense of humor. She would have loved that. And I thought, how strange is this that I could find joy on the saddest day, but that joyful heart can't be eclipsed. And I, I thank you for validating because I always look for the joy. I always look for the light. I always look for the reason to feel good about whatever life brings me. And that has been given the term, people call me Pollyanna. They call me, you know, happy girl, blah, blah, blah. When we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit about this joy that's within us because once you connect with it, it like bubbles up like a fountain. And I really want everyone listening today to tap into that fountain. We're visiting today with Dr. Roger Teal. Check out his book, This Life is Joy. And we'll be back at the break talking with Dr. Teal about how to tap into that bubbling happiness or joy or spirit or whatever you want to call it. It's there. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. It's marching Well, skunks are making the news again. Seems everyone has a skunk story. A friend of mine was dozing on the couch on her patio when she felt something furry brush up against her hand. She thought it was her cat until she smelled a terrible odor. I was petting a skunk, she told me. What's a word for shocked? Timey-wimey. In Colorado, a wildlife officer was called to help a skunk whose head was stuck in a peanut butter jar. After tugging for 10 minutes, they finally freed the critter and it ran away without spraying anyone. Guess that was a fair trade, otherwise known as... Quitter for quarter. In Minnesota, it's illegal to tease a skunk. What's a word for teasing a skunk? Tan tan tanning, port wardling, and downright foolish. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, 
Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Powered Up Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Roger Teal, and he wrote a book, Dr. Roger Teal. Sorry, I didn't mean to bust you down a, a rank or two. <laughs> um, we're talking about his book, This Life is Joy, but more importantly, we're talking about uh, kind of practical spirituality, and, and before we went to break, I talked a little bit about being called a Pollyanna, because when I went through my fire, and you know, my dad always told me, you know, Sandra, you always have to learn the hard way and you know when I went through a divorce my mother died my two dogs of 16 years passed away that same year I went through a foreclosure you know in the same 18 months I thought oh my gosh like how much more could happen to me and it felt like everything that I once worked towards or cared about was stripped away and in that process, in that grieving process and kind of personal exploration process, I really discovered that we do have the joy that, that Dr. Teal is talking about. We have that. It just got like overshadowed or maybe I looked at the wrong things or I was focusing on the wrong things. But I really at the time, Dr. Teal thought I was doing what I was supposed to do, kind of pursuing the American dream. And the funny thing was, is, you know, I was raised in a Catholic household, went to church every Sunday and we pray at our dinner table and my dad leads us in prayer. So it's not that we weren't a faith filled family, whatever your religious beliefs are, but I had to learn the hard way what really mattered and what we really had inside to tap into us. And what I love about your book is it really shows us that you don't have to go through what I went to learn. Like there's easier ways to learn it. And the easy way is, is, is to pick up your book. Well, thank you for that. And I also know that we all go through our dark nights and I wouldn't be surprised that there are a number of our, our listeners who are going through what the mystic called the dark night of the soul, and it looks like everything's so bleak and uh, so foreboding, and it seems like there's no light at all. I've been there. You've shared that you've been there. And what I had to learn was that even in that darkness, there is something, there's a light in every one of us. We're not just a product of our experiences. We're not just a product of what comes down the pike. And, and even if we're grieving, we've lost a loved one or a pet, even if, even if we've lost a job or a home or a relationship or whatever the case may be, there's still that something within us. Uh, I'm, I tell in my book uh, a, a little story from, from the, the Hebrew uh, literature that when the, the children of Israel were in their Babylonian captivity and they were so oppressed and so beaten down, it was a, a horrendous time. But after their, their, their long, long, long exhausting days of labor, they'd crawl back to their camps and then they would, they would go down to the river. And uh, in the willows and the reeds next to the river were musical instruments, uh, harps and lyres, and they would take those out and they would dance. They would sing and they would dance and, and keep this, their, their connection with, with something in them much more fundamental, much more powerful even than their oppressors. And I guess what I ask myself and everybody listening is, do you have a harp in the willows? Do, do you have that something in you that connects you to your dance and, and the ability to be a free spirit even in life's most treacherous, most painful experiences? I think that's the key is to know that we're not just a product of those terrible things that happen. It happens to us all. But there's a spirit in us. There's a power in us. 
And, and Sandra, I point out in the book that the best way to get in touch with this is through the opening of our hearts. Uh, you know, there's a heart center in you and me. And this, again, is also something that's kind of lost in our culture especially. We think that love's out there somewhere. We think love is brought to us by some person uh, or some experience. But I'm here to tell us all and remind myself that, that love is an energetic, it's a spiritual reality, and it's centered right where we are. And as we begin to open our hearts again to ourselves, to our lives, to others, even in the midst of the deepest and darkest of times, you know, we find an upliftment going on. And, and you know, then we find the key to true power. Uh, true power is, is in recovering our hearts and the joy that that they contain. Well, and I love how you put that. Um, you know, you have the harp in the willows. That's so beautiful. You know, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I just need like the street lamp and, you know, walking around the dark streets. That's how it was for me. Um, but one of the things that I found is when I surrendered and, you know, I know people use surrender in AA a lot and they use surrender in certain religious beliefs. And I can only talk about being a Christian because that's all I am. And so I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to exclude other groups. I can only share what I know and I don't want to talk for other people or beliefs or groups but when I finally surrendered and I just said you know to God that I couldn't do this anymore Dr. Taylor I can't live this way like I can't and I need your help I realized that I was carrying the responsibility of everything and everyone and everything that happened to me and I really never never made the connection between prayer and song and prayer and surrender you know like I said my dad (laughs) have to learn things the hard way Um, but once I did surrender that there was a higher power and that I could turn things over and you know even though people were saying oh well you're in denial you're this the fact of the matter is it worked and I got my family back on track I got my company back on track I got my career back on track my relationships back on track and not just back on track but better than ever and the fear that had been present with me 24-7 and the anxiety and the nervousness a lot of that went away and it went away like magic and I hear a lot of the big churches talking about supernatural and I would kind of giggle you know because I went you know I'm a, I have a tech background Dr. Teal I'm a scientist I am technology and it better add up and it better be quantified and you couldn't really quantify any of this stuff and so I thought what the heck I might as well try it and sure enough it worked and that was the biggest eye-opener to me that was the biggest opener to personal joy no matter what was going on around me yeah that is so beautiful chapter six in my book is titled this journey is surrender this life journey of ours really is the art of learning what you learned, and that is to surrender. But, you know, many people give the surrender a bad rap. They think it's giving up, uh, it's retreating, um, um, being beaten down. But surrender, spiritual surrender, is really opening to and allowing something greater than we are to use us, to express through us. And that's where the joy and the empowerment uh comes uh it's it's allowing something greater to have its way with us and then giving up our trying to control everything (laughs) now i don't know if if anybody else out there is quite like me but you know there was phases of my life when i was absolutely a control freak and i was trying to control others i was trying to control situations and outcomes uh just about anything that i could and you know that's really deeply fear-based But, you know, when we take that step of surrendering, we realize that it's not about forcing things or controlling things. 
it may be about co-creating things because I believe it's done unto us as we as we believe. And so I have to take care of my inner life. I got to believe more in a higher truth in me than I do in the problem. But as long as I believe in the problem, then I just call it back into my life in one form or another. Uh, as long as I believe that my happiness is dependent on my bank account, then I'm on uh, shifting sands. You know, my life is unstable in every fluctuation of the economy uh, or of the stock market or whatever the case may be calls me back into the darkness. And so you're, you're talking about something so powerful here, Sandra, and that is surrendering to something greater, meaning really give up the little self trying to make everything work and let the higher self have its way. Well, and I will say mine wasn't pretty. You know, mine wasn't like harps and music. It was kind of gritty and swollen eyes and lots of crying and lots of, of I don't even know what, just incredible, you know, pain and frustration and anger. It's like, you know, like, 39 years of it bottled all up in once and then it just it just spilled over and but it was a process too it wasn't like i got to that point of surrender uh quickly and i don't know if other people do you have more experience in talking to people about this than i do but do you find for most people it's a kind of a process that builds to a head and then like a fever breaks yeah, I think so. But I know everybody's journey, everybody's path is, is unique. But it seems like in our culture, uh, we're so outward oriented that we usually have to uh, come to that point, be brought to that point where we discover the wealth within us. So I just absolutely know that every person is magnificent. There's a spiritual magnificence in everybody. That means there's a creativity in everybody. Uh, and it's not just trying to figure it out with their own human mind. It's opening to divine inspiration. There's a heart within everybody. There's a love that can heal us, that is a balm for us, and it can bring us back into life. There's so much within every one of us. But i got to tell you, Sandra, that um, my awakening into all this stuff came as a result of, of deep, deep wounding. Uh, you probably read in my book, because I'm pretty much out there with my journey, the ups and downs of my journey in the book. And, you know, it was the, it was thinking I was going to announce my engagement of, uh, with, uh, in a three-year relationship uh, to the world. And uh, after the holidays, this, this lady at the time uh, that, I, that I loved, she just disappeared. She left. She left me a note saying, don't call me, don't get in touch with me, it's over. I was crushed. I couldn't believe it. I thought she'd had a psychic break or something. And I tried to get in touch with her anyway because that's how I force things, you know. And um, her mother said, I don't know what's going on, but you're going to have to let this go because she means it. And I went to the depths of grieving. I, I, I just I don't know if I've ever felt deeper pain in my life. But in uh, the process over probably at least a year and a half, of working on this thing, I began to realize that the relationship wasn't what I was deluding myself into thinking. It wasn't. It was more a dependency relationship than the kind of relationship you want to build a life on. But more than that, I discovered that I'd gotten that far into my life, into my early 30s, with a closed and protected heart. And she couldn't get to me. She couldn't get into me. She couldn't get. She couldn't find that intimacy that. That I had, I controlled the relationship. I was nice enough and everything, but I controlled it, and 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 she just couldn't get into my heart. And she she had the wisdom, even though 
you know, others might say she did it wrong, but she had the wisdom to not let us go down a, an even more painful path. But when I discovered uh, that... You know what, Dr. Teal, we're going to have to go to commercial break. And okay, when we come cool. back, we're going to find out what Dr. Teal discovered, because I think many <laughs> of us have been in his shoes. We've been there, done that. Now let's find out what we can do about it and make sure it doesn't happen again. Sandra Beck, Powered Up Talk Radio with Dr. Um, sorry, ooh, uh, with Dr. Roger Teal. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show. Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and, of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. After was such good medicine, ancient Greek physicians sent their patients to visit comedians to be healed. In the 1300s, surgeon Henry D. Mondeville used to tell jokes to his patients in the recovery room. Dr. Mondeville must have been a bit of a witzel such. That's a person who tells jokes and no one ever laughs. We laugh six times more when in the company of another person than we do by ourselves and 30 times more when we are in a group. Laughter isn't under our conscious control. If you've ever started cackinating at school, in church, or at a funeral, you know what I'm talking about. Cackinating is another word for uncontrollable laughter. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dr. Roger Teal, and we are talking about his experience when he was in a relationship and his heart was closed off. And the relationship, who knows if that was the reason it ended, but for the sake of the story, we're going to say, you know, that was one of the contributing factors. Um, and if you guys liked the first half of today's show and you liked what you heard, go to PoweredUpTalkRadio.com. You can go to Toginet, that's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com, and look up Powered Up Talk Radio. You can also go to iTunes and 
and find Powered Up Talk Radio. We've got a couple hundred hours of episodes like this about spirituality, sex, money, health, beauty, love. It's all geared towards the second. Second career, second chance at life, second chance at love, second marriage, second families, you name it. We're all into seconds on the show. And so we're going to go back to Dr. Teal and pick up where he left off because I really want to know about this heart open thing. We hear it in the media all the time. Dr. Teal, please finish your story and talk to us about how did you open your heart or what happened or and what does that even mean <laughs> okay well you know just to conclude what the, the the darkness that i went into a deep deep grieving um um in this thing and um and also then it devolved into anger and, and viciousness and i even would proclaim to anybody willing to listen to me when i was in the pits of it that i hated her um and uh, of course that wasn't the truth um, but then, uh, you know, a good friend will tell you what you really need to know. And a friend of mine was um, with me, and I'd launched into another of my tirades about this person. And, and he said, you know, you're, you're, you're a spiritual teacher. Uh, have you ever thought of using some of what you teach? I could have knocked him <laughs> off his chair. But I knew he was right. I knew he was right. And, that you know, that was kind of an opening for me to get out of my own soup as it were. That's when I began to um, ask some real honest questions. And that's often um, what we have to do is come out of our own perceptions and start looking with fresh eyes at things, ask some deep questions. And as I shared, I began to realize the relationship wasn't well-founded. And But even as I kept going and didn't stop with that, uh, I began to realize that I uh, had of what I call a closed and cold, a cold heart. And, and what that meant is, I, I, by the way, I'm a nice guy, and I you know, am, am good to people, and I was good to her. And yet, I know. Um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, here I fell in love with this book. I like to watch you. I'm like, he's really a monster. But no, you're just human. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just, just human. That, here's the deal. We so often create fear-based lives. And whenever we are living from a fear-based life, inevitably our hearts close. And we cut off the power of, of the love that is within us. And that's why I think it says somewhere in the Bible that perfect love casts out fear. I mean, when we really open up to this love that is within us, the fear can fall away. And so then I began to do some work with people adept at opening the heart. And it's actually a chakra. It's, a, it's actually an energetic center, uh, physically at the center of our chests, but it's also a spiritual vortex in everyone. And again, this is some of the, the deep wisdom of the many masters that uh, so many folks have lost track of. So I was helped to open that, and I felt the energy. I'll never forget the day when I felt that for the first time, or at least for the first time in my adult memory. And then everything began to shift for me. I could forgive her because I really saw what it was all about. It was my journey. that We, we were two angels that came together to provide one another uh, absolutely essential uh, experiences and lessons on our path. I wouldn't be surprised that we uh, agreed to do that uh, even before we were born. And, and so I could forgive her in a larger context of things, and I could start living my life from this space of uh, what I call the opened heart. Now, the, really, the opened heart is the activated heart. It's, it's when we decide that we're going to get in touch with this vibration, with the spirit within us, and, and as you suggested earlier, surrender to it. And what we also have to surrender on the altar of that love, we have to surrender our fear. We have to surrender fearing that we're not enough, fearing that we're not going to have what we need, fearing that we uh, have to shield ourselves from others. 
and 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 really, then in that surrender, we can devote ourselves to something very beautiful and uh, very powerful within us. Now, I practice this daily because you know we're we're brought so much fear is broadcast in our culture, Sandra. As you well know, it's just it's, it's rife, and um, we I think to stay in touch with one's heart and to remember there's a greater power than fear. Um, fear is like the darkness, you know, it's not, it, it's really an absence, it's not a reality. You bring in the light, uh, which is, is an essence, and then and it dispels the darkness. And so, too, when we activate the heart, when we center in, in the center of our chest and actually feel this vibration and, and release our fear, the, the, the fear is dispelled by this energy. And, and that's really how to build a happy, joyous life. Well, and... <laughs> Happy, joyous life. Like, I just want to define that. Like, and, and it's so funny because I'm going to go to Facebook because, you know, Facebook is, is, I think, one of our biggest media influences right now. And, Dr. Teal, when you talked about, you know, happiness, you know, I think we need to define what happiness is. And I have a favorite quote that I put up, and I put it up today, which is kind of really creepy because it's, you know, right in alignment with the show. But it said, being happy does not mean to always get what you want. Happiness right. comes when you love what you have and when you are grateful for it. Um, I think that that's really important for us to define because it's very easy to listen to a show like this and, and look for the wrong ways to be happy. You know, we talked a little bit about food, about substances, about acquisition, about power and fame or relationships. You know, I was married to a person who wasn't satisfied, even though he was married and had more than one relationship on the side. You know, that's when we get back to that bowl with the hole. Mm-hmm. I think my rule of thumb has been for my kids, and I hope this is right teaching, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm mistaken, but I try to teach them that, you know, when you're happy and you feel the happiness like you call it your heart chakra, I call it like in your chest, and yep. you can just feel it come from the inside out like it pours out. You know, when a mom looks at a baby or like a, a guy looks at a Super Bowl championship ring for his team, you know, <laughs> I think of when I like Don Shula and I got to see his Super Bowl rings or Phil Jackson one time I got to see his, um, you know, the basketball rings. I forget what they are, NCAA or whatever they are, the championship rings, NBA championship rings. You know, they have that same look like as a mother looks at a baby, but where you feel it coming up, like almost like you're going to throw up happiness. It comes up like inside <laughs> and like comes out, you know, rather than breathing in happiness. And that was the only way I could explain to my little kids like, hey, when you're seeking the right thing and you're happy you feel it come from the inside out like you're going to throw it up versus it coming in and that was the way i try to teach them that when they're happiness they're seeking happiness they're seeking things to to make them happy that that's the feeling they should look for i'm a big one of going what does it feel like because i don't really get it half the time unless you tell me like a b c with a box of crayons and i'll get it I think that, Willie, another powerful step is to make peace with ourselves. I think a lot of individuals have been well-steeped in uh, being instructed that they're not enough. And that is told to us by source figures around us as we grow up, sometimes um, blatantly, sometimes without realization. And then we add to it. We we take a look. We take inventory of our painful, awful experiences, and we say, "See, I really am not enough." And a lot of people carry that not enoughness around, 
and then they try to become enough by getting life so situated that they can say, there, now, there, I'm finally enough. But that never happens. I mean, even if you get all the money in the world, we all know stories of individuals who've come into a windfall, but their not-enoughness still makes them unhappy and still you know, can even sabotage what they've achieved. So it's like, how could I just be okay with me? Could I separate my past from my being and, and really begin to contemplate who am I? I mean, I didn't create me, so something greater than I did, created me. Did it create me as a miserable failure, really? Uh, does life create anything that's a miserable failure when you really get down to it? Or maybe that's the way I've defined myself. That's when we can begin to make peace with ourselves and start, really, when you get down to it, loving ourselves. It's a bold thing. It's a bold thing to decide that nothing in my past will any longer prevent me from loving myself. Well, and I just want to dispel a myth here because, you know, when you were talking, I could hear like my old Northwestern MBA and master's candidates all going, you know, because a lot of times our greatest inventions come out of these fear, lack, you know, when people don't think they're good enough, they strive even harder to achieve things, acquire more. And that has created some good in our world. I will say there's, you know, things that they've invented or created or designed that have been great for the greater good, even though the core wasn't there. I'm here to tell you from being a very type A personality that loving yourself and being satisfied with yourself does not kill your drive to improve or to create or to it actually enhances it and makes it a more peaceful and loving experience and relaxing experience rather than a nail-biting, frustrated, adrenaline-fueled junkie experience. And I only have a couple minutes before break, but I'd love you to weigh in on that, and I want to carry that over to our next segment. I tell you, you are hitting on something so powerful. I think the greatest creativity comes out of a sense of joy and peace. Uh, and then something bubbles up uh, that's of a higher order than when we're trying to force something together and cobble something together. I believe that when Emerson said we're all a part of an immense intelligence that wants to make us instruments of its light, uh, that he was saying if you just get open to life, something's going to inspire you, you know, and greater stuff's going to pour through you. Well, and it does. It pours through you, and then what it does is it attracts people to you, and then you guys come together, and when you don't come together necessarily in competition or fear or conflict or all things like that, it, it just evolves. Things open. You know, I found in my charity work, when we have combative charities, you know, we can't get anything done or we get very little done. Then when we get synergistic charities coming together where people are coming from a different space, um, we can create unbelievable t- times what we could in that conflict or or challenge environment. Now, I need to take us to commercial break. We're visiting today with Dr. Roger Teal. His book is This Life is Joy, Discovering the Spiritual Laws to Live More Powerfully, Lovingly, and Happily, which really is what we want. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about conflict, challenge versus, you know, working from a loving environment, how to be powerful from a loving environment. Dr. Uh, Roger Teal, you can check him out at uh, Roger Teal. That's T E E L. Sorry, two E's dot com. Sandra Beck, Powered Up Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. <laughs> 
cuisines and sacred rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's words you never heard. Well, skunks are making the news again. Seems everyone has a skunk story. A friend of mine was dozing on the couch on her patio when she felt something furry brush up against her hand. She thought it was her cat until she smelled a terrible odor. I was petting a skunk, she told me. What's a word for shocked? Timey-wimey. In Colorado, a wildlife officer was called to help a skunk whose head was stuck in a peanut butter jar. After tugging for 10 minutes, they finally freed the critter and it ran away without spraying anyone. Guess that was a fair trade, otherwise known as quitter for quarter. In Minnesota, it's illegal to tease a skunk. What's a word for teasing a skunk? Tan-tan-tanning, port-wardling, and downright foolish. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Dr. Roger Teal talking about his new book, This Life is Joy. And we have covered why people are so unhappy. We've covered a lot of things in this show. And for those of you that are just joining us or would like this show and others like it or like a copy of this show to listen to with your kids, I force my kids to listen to podcasts all the time because they're just so great. There's so much good information out there. You can find us on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You can go to .com by the same name. PoweredUpTalkRadio.com. You can also go to Toginet, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com to find this and other episodes like it that I think you'll really enjoy. Now, one of the questions I had when we went to break, we were talking about challenge and conflict and how if you can work from a more loving space, I feel that products and, and creations and even charities or companies can be built and, and flourish uh, much more than they could in another way. But I want 
kind of relate it back to us as people. And one of the questions that I had when I read Dr. Teal's book, I wrote a note in the cover that said, how do we move from doing to being? Now, Dr. Teal had a spiritual experience when he was six. Now, that's great for him. But for the rest of us that are riding the New York subway, sitting on the freeway in L.A. traffic or driving like the endless awful freeways or roads in Texas, what do we do, Dr. Teal, when we're kind of anchored in our own lives? How do we make this switch? Because it's got to be easier than having your whole life collapse around you and learn this. There's got to be an easier way. So what do you recommend? Well, there's a number of things. We've talked about opening the heart. But I think something even before that, um, I would remind you that it's written, Be Still and Know. You know some time, uh, in usually in the morning, of stillness, is so powerful. You know, usually we hop right out of bed and we dive into our doingness, and we don't commune with ourselves. You know, we don't commune with the greater life uh, that we connect with within ourselves. And uh, we, we also, also then begin to lose track of our, our inbuilt gratitude because we're off to the races, you know. So I recommend some still time, still time where we just experience our life, before we start analyzing the day, worrying about what's going to go on, um, recounting yesterday's troubles or whatever the case, to just be still. Just be still. Now, of course, the, the thing is, and I teach meditation classes and such, that the mind can wander. But the most important thing is just to come back to a space of stillness. And I know the more you do it, the easier this gets. It becomes a really powerful thing. Then uh, if an individual has a, a spiritual a uh, set of practices if you want to pray uh, or uh, do affirmations or things like that. That's very powerful. And then to always bring in a word you mentioned earlier, and that is gratitude. And it's not so much gratitude for things. It's, it's just gratitude for life. You know, sometimes we limit gratitude uh, so that I'll be, I'll be grateful if I get what I want. If things turn out today, at the end of the day, I'll be grateful. I think gratitude is a generative energy we, we, we're just, we carry into the day. Uh, we go if we go in um, with without that hole leaking. You mentioned that that leaky bowl. You know, uh, if we go into the day with gratitude, then we're shored up. You know, we're just grateful. We're grateful to be. We're grateful for life, and that that opens up the heart. And and then more than anything, we realize that our inner life is superior to our outer life. Now that's absolutely. Something... Well, I just want to buzz in here for a second because yeah. you talked about starting your day off, and I'm just gonna—I'm the kind of the reality check over here. When I first started doing meditations, Doctor Teal, I felt so stupid. I had to sit with my iPhone and put it on for 30 seconds, and I was like, "I am not going to think about anything for 30 seconds." And I, you know, and that's how like detailed I was to try to get myself to do this and it took me over two years to get to the point where i could sit down and meditate and do it naturally and comfortably and really get the benefits now granted i didn't do it every day i didn't do it every night but one of the things i found is that if i could do it before bedtime if i could like i bless my kids i bless people in my life that's my gratitude thing and i'm like you know thank you god for blessing me with max and zach even though they were awful today um you know i go through those things in my head but then i get to my 
I go through my like gratitude list, but then like at the end, something weird happens. I get this like peace and I can have those moments of peace before I drift off. So when you said, you know, do it in the morning, I'm going to say for a lot of people out there, I do it right when I wake up and I do it when I go to bed in the night because I have a better night's sleep. I get up and I feel good and there's nothing I can take. Like, and believe me, I've tried them all. I've tried every sleeping pill, every anti-anxiety, you know, trying to figure out what the right medicine was. And instead of medication, I tried meditation, which totally sounds cornball, but it worked. Well, I, I love bookending one's day that way, because that's really claiming that you're not just a product of what happened today or what will happen today. You're, you're really a self-generating being. And that's really what my book is about, is that how can we start reconnecting with our inner life and start letting that be the power and, and the direction of our lives. You know, the, the, the mystics said, as within, so without. The book talks about the distinct connection between what goes on within us, our deepest beliefs and, and energies, and then what tends to be drawn into our life. And the more we take charge of the inner life and, and, and make it the garden we cultivate more than anything else, all of a sudden it's amazing that things begin more often than not to even out in our lives. That does, again, doesn't mean that we won't have change and upset and loss and things like that. But even so, you get more connected inwardly, and you walk through that in a different way, too. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, you got to give this stuff a shot, but you also got to give it a chance. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen immediately. But like, we don't get fat overnight. We don't get in shape overnight. We don't get old overnight. It's just another one of life's processes. And the best part of it, uh, Dr. Teal, that I think, especially being a single mom and, you know, up to my eyeballs trying to raise these kids is it doesn't cost anything. But that's the funny thing. Like, there are so many products for sale, like, including your book. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, I think everyone should have a copy of your book and read it. But at the end of the day, what you're teaching is free. We just don't know how to do it. And I tell you what, if we don't master this, then we usually end up spending a whole lot of our resources trying to get what we think is missing. And it wasn't missing in the first place. Absolutely. I look, I live in Los Angeles, Dr. Teal, and I watch all these people, not only neighbors, families, friends, but people in the entertainment industry, like chasing youth. You know, I've got two friends who are getting facelifts. You know, we're not even 50 yet. And I'm like, but you don't meditate. So you look old and haggard because you're not happy. (laughs) There's nothing like, and I'm going to just brag a little bit. People say to me all the time, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're as old as you are. I can't believe, you know, you haven't had any work done. And I'm like, yeah, I've had tons of inner work done. Yeah, I haven't fixed the outer, but when you fix the inner, like, I am serious, your wrinkles melt away, your shadows melt away, your eyes get brighter, like, you just glow. And that you can't find in a bottle or under a knife or in a self-help group. You know, you just glow. That's right. And, you know, in the book, there are all sorts of affirmative declarations, uh, that can be used in in this inner power time that we're both recommending, uh, because I think sometimes when the mind wanders to have something you can be, you can declare within and you can let take life within you, like I am a being of joy, or I am enough, or it is well with my soul, or you know the various phrases they're all throughout the book. You know to start using those, then then we start creating this inner reality. We've got we've got some some something to stand on. 
Absolutely. Something to stand on. And something that like, this is the other thing that I like about it as goofy as it sounds. It's like, you know, a lot of times, like we need certain things to help us through life. And when we can't get to those things, whether it's a, like, a, like my little son holds his cross or, you know, I've got, you know, my own other one holds his lucky rabbit's foot. And, you know, we've got little guys with their security blankets and we've got older people with their spouses and stuff like that. Getting, if you can get a hold of this thing, you can use it anywhere. You can hang on to it on an airplane. You can be in a supermarket line. You can be on a freeway. You can be in a desert. You can be, just about anywhere and have something to hold on to. And that, I think, is really important. Absolutely. It's a whole new identity. It's like we're shifting our identity away from being that uh, empty or that bowl that's got a hole in it to being a rich, full, you know, divinely inspired being here to create joy. And and you know what? Happy people don't rip other people off. Happy people uh, aren't, um, you know, uh, deeply steeped in, in the drug culture. Happy people don't create wars. I mean, it's time for humanity to reclaim its happiness, because in that is our wholeness and, and our next steps. It is. It is. And it's it's the answer to so much. It's the answer to happiness. It's the answer to peace. It's the answer to world peace. It's just, it's and it's so simple. But you know what, Dr. Teal, we can't package it. We can't market it. We can't put it at a pharmaceutical company or our government. Like, it's hard to monetize this stuff. You know, there are books and seminars and things out there, but they're not going to take the world by storm. What will take the world by storm is each one of us taking our personal responsibility and really learning how we're created from the inside out and recognizing that if we want to make a change in the world, it's got to start with us and it's got to start with us internally. Because I know if I light that flame and, and Dr. Teal, you're in front of like 10 to 30,000 people. In everyone, like a pilot light, you know, lighting the pilot light, we got a shot. You're darn right we do. A, a dear friend of mine, Les Brown, he, he helped transform young people's lives by telling them, you're somebody, you're a miracle, you're a child of God. And I think that if, if people just say, I am somebody, I'm a miracle, I'm a child of God, I'm beautiful, I'm on my own team, I'm championing myself, then life begins to turn. Well, there you have it. Dr. Roger Teal, This Life is Joy, Discovering the Spiritual Laws to Live More Powerfully, Lovingly, and Happily. You can also tune him in at uh, his website, uh, uh, sorry, rogerteal.com, but also go to the milehighchurch.org. There's videos on there and seminars on there that I think you guys will really enjoy. Thank you, Dr. Teal, for being my guest today. We'll be back again next week. This is Sandra Beck from Power, um, sorry, Powered Up Talk Radio. We'll be back again next week. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful 